For joining us here on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. This is Driving Forces, where we take a deeper look at the issues and people shaping our community and our country. I'm Celeste Katz Marston and my co host is that great world traveler, Jeff Simmons. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? Am I coming through loud and clear today or what? Yeah, we've got a bit of an echo going on, if you can hear me. As you know, Celeste, and maybe our listeners, I might have mentioned this, I was traveling out of town this week. I've been in Philadelphia for the week, and it has been really interesting coming from New York City and now spending time in Philadelphia, watching how the pandemic has had its effect. And it's just been incredible. As you've noticed, I've, I've talked a lot about homelessness issues, which seem to be just infecting our cities across our country. Yeah, absolutely. This is, it's very interesting. It's obviously just completely different, uh, having this experience of trying to travel around the country, uh, and just not be able to do the regular things that you would normally do, uh, on any, uh, any normal trip. You know, even the idea of checking into a hotel, grabbing a cab, sitting down at a restaurant, that kind of thing. You know, life has really changed and I hope you're being careful out there. What's been interesting, too, is you know that New York City just, uh, you know, announced or started it's this next phase of requiring vaccinations as you head into restaurants. That's something I've actually encountered several uh, times here already in Philadelphia. Uh, and as you probably know, our listeners might not know yet, but there's even been a lawsuit in New York uh, right now by a number of restaurateurs who feel that the mayor has gone too far in requiring proof of vaccinations at restaurants and gyms and other establishments. Yeah, that's uh, that's something that I think there's going to be a lot more debate over. And, of course, as we're seeing a surge in the Delta variant, we're now seeing increasing cases uh, among the unvaccinated especially, but also including among children. So uh, that's something that a lot of people are concerned about, particularly since we're just around the corner from going back to school, which actually, Jeff, want to thank you for that segue because somebody of note did make a comment about that uh, pretty recently. That, of course, would be our incoming new governor, Kathy Hochul, uh, the current lieutenant governor, who will be in just a few days replacing outgoing Governor Andrew Cuomo. Obviously, his uh, political career, at least for the moment, uh, has been capsized by a very serious uh, series of allegations of sexual harassment, sexual misconduct. Uh, as we all know by now, of course, uh, Andrew Cuomo has resigned his job and is uh, going to be out of business as the governor of New York State at, I believe it is, 1159 uh, on Monday. And then we will have a new leader uh, being sworn in uh, to take over. And, uh, you know, one thing that we really want to focus on here on the program, uh, something that our listeners have told us on previous programs is they want to know more about Kathy Hochul. They want to know more 
about this person who's been serving as lieutenant governor. Who is she? What What is she going to be like? How are things going to be different in a Kathy Hochul administration? So, as always here at WBAI, we are listening to you. We, we have your back. Uh, and we're going to get into more detail on her in just a second. But uh, as you know, she became, uh, before she became lieutenant governor, she was uh, an aide to Senator Daniel Patrick Moynihan. She was the clerk of Erie County. She was also a member of Congress. Uh, in the Cuomo administration, she worked on a lot of different issues, economic development. Uh, she was the chair of the governor's task force on heroin and opioid addiction. And it's worth noting, under the current circumstances, that Kathy Hochul's official bio also prominently states that she worked on efforts to pass, quote, the strictest laws against sexual harassment in the nation. Now, just so you know, we have been in touch with the incoming governor's team. We don't have a firm date on this yet, but we do have very high hopes that we'll be able to bring her to you right here on Driving Forces sometime soon. But in the meantime, we're going to have somebody join us now who knows a lot about Kathy Hochul. Uh, and that's Bob McCarthy. He is a political reporter and columnist for the Buffalo News. Uh, he was a general assignment reporter before he moved on to covering police, transportation, and state government. He's been honored for his political and investigative work many times. He's been called one of New York's most influential political writers, and he's covered every major election in New York State and Western New York since 1992, including 14 national conventions. And uh, in my coverage of state politics, he's taught me a lot about being a great reporter. And also, for the record, he's also just a great guy. Really glad to have him on the program today. Bob McCarthy, welcome to WPAI. Thank you, my good friend. It's good to hear from you and good to be with you today. Wonderful. So here, jump right in. Share your knowledge. You know, a lot of people in New York, uh, you know, especially perhaps in the city, may just not know a lot about Kathy Hochul or are just starting to learn about her. So just give us a thumbnail. Who is she? Uh, Kathy Hochul is a, I think, someone who just grew up in politics, loved it, you know, sleeps, breathes politics. For all the good reasons, I have to say, it, it isn't just for her own aggrandizement or anything like that. I think Kathy Hochul is one of those people who truly believes that they can make a difference by participating in the political system. And that's the kind of thing that's driven her for you know, uh, more than 30 years now, I think. And she is well known in Western New York. I mean, just about everybody has been involved in so many starting out from the Hamburg Town Board, you know, at that level. She got her start in uh, working in Democratic headquarters under Chairman Joe Prangle, and uh, just kind of was part of the Democratic scene forever until she's become where she is today. And I know most people in the city don't know her that well. I don't think most people throughout New York State know her that well. That's the that's the nature of the beast when you're lieutenant governor. You work in the governor's shadow, and this governor, as we know, has cast a very long shadow all that time. So, but she, you know, believe me, people will know her soon. I guarantee you that. So, Bob, it's really good to have you on the show. I'm curious, what kind of leader would you say Kathy Hochul is? A politician, a manager, a numbers person? Are there... Any issues she's known for being particularly strong on? You know, I don't think Kathy Hochul has ever had much experience as an executive. She did 
run the Erie County Clerk's Office, and there's several hundred people, obviously, who work in that uh, that department, very important department. And, you know, so I don't say that she brings a lot of background to this. But she has, uh, I think, mastered the art of politics very well. I don't think I've ever met too many other people in the business who are better at the retail part of politics than Kathy Hochul. She walks into a room and usually claims it pretty quickly. Unlike our current governor, if she saw a group of people standing outside a door where she was speaking, she wouldn't go out the back door. She'd go out the front door and plunge right into that crowd and start shaking hands and talking to them. I think that, that you'll see a big difference in her with that. What are her issues, you ask? I think that um, certainly, as Les mentioned, one of the things that's, that really stood out with me, especially in her first term, was her efforts to combat sexual assault and sexual harassment, especially on college campuses. I bet you she, I, I can't imagine how many, several dozen campuses she visited when that was becoming a very hot topic. And she has also uh, certainly been the loyal lieutenant governor. And that's been, hey, it's her job. That's what she was asked to do. It's what she was assigned to do. As she emphasizes now, I think quite quite uh, uh, interestingly, is that she has not had a uh, close relationship with Governor Cuomo, but she has certainly been the loyal lieutenant governor. Everywhere she goes, she never starts a sentence without saying the governor feels this, the governor feels that. And she has also had a pretty prominent role in economic development and part of the economic development that up that the governor has had where he's had these regional economic development councils. He's been very active in coordinating those for him. And um, I can also tell you that she has hit all 62 counties every year. She's like Chuck Schumer in that regard. She hits 62 counties. She's on the road all the time. Uh, you rarely see her around this town because she's somewhere else. And and so she's embraced this role and um, done the best she could with it. But as we know, the number one requirement of a lieutenant governor is to stand by in case that person is needed to become the governor. And so all of a sudden, here she is. <laughs> she seems ready to go. I don't know. You're listening to Driving Forces here on WBAI New York. We're speaking to Bob McCarthy, veteran reporter for the Buffalo News, about our incoming new governor, Kathy Hochul. Who is she? What is she like? What is New York going to be like under her leadership after a very tumultuous uh, uh, period of time under Governor Andrew Cuomo? And not only because of the harassment and misconduct allegations against him, but also because of multiple scandals, including his handling of nursing homes and the reporting of death during the COVID pandemic, a book deal related to his uh, his briefly celebrated status as the uh, uh, sort of the the person to look to nationally in uh, dealing with uh, with the pandemic. But, you know, Bob, I just want to ask, going back to the the immediate 
thing that forced him out of office, which is the scandal. Uh, you know, uh, Kathy Hochul, I think, had a, a birthday fundraiser. Was it uh, last night or, or something like that, which was uh, right. very well attended. But there were also some protesters out there, from what I understand. And some of those people were saying, look, it's just not plausible that Kathy Hochul did not know what was going on between Andrew Cuomo and all these different women who worked with him, for him, around him. You know, what has she had to say about that? And, and how believable is it? You know, she's condemned the behavior, but how believable is it that she literally had no idea any of this was going on? Well, I don't know the answer to that. I will, first of all, address the protesters. That has been a really big a uh, topic of discussion by New York Republicans who uh, are asking the same questions you are, Celeste, about her, about how plausible it is, whether she knew or did not know anything about this. And so uh, it's not surprising that there were uh, protesters there. And uh, it's not surprising also Governor Cuomo usually uh, would encounter protesters outside of many of his events. How plausible is that? You know, I, I don't know the answer to that. I do know that she was never part of Andrew Cuomo's inner circle, that uh, she was never invited in. There, we, we know who those people were. We can probably name several of them who have come and gone over the years, and, and Kathy Hochul was never part of that. Now, does that mean that the lieutenant governor of New York does not hear about things that go on and isn't aware of things that go on? Um, it, it, it's, as you point out, uh, you would think that maybe she did. I don't know the answer to that. But um, I do know that she has made a point of distancing herself from Andrew Cuomo in recent weeks, pointedly uh, emphasizing that she hasn't spoken to the governor since February. That's coincidental about the time that he started getting in real trouble over some of the, the things that have been brought up. But um, I think that there's a real effort on her part on her part now to distance herself from him and all of his uh, difficulties. But I also have to agree that especially the issue of sexual harassment would be something that would Anathema to Kathy Hochul. And Bob, as you know, we've had a number of downstate governors, Cuomo, Patterson, Spitzer, arguably Pataki, Cuomo the Elder. Uh, what do you think it means to have one uh, a governor from western New York? Will city, New York City interests be, in your view, deprioritized in any way? How do you feel she's going to prioritize? I think Kathy Hochul has learned enough during her time they figured to know that New York City can never be deprioritized by anybody uh, at her level. She, uh, let me just give you a little history. You mentioned that she is is a real rarity. She's the first upstate, true upstate governor since Nathan Miller in 1920. He was from Syracuse. So it's been over 100 years since there's been a real upstate governor. And the first and only governor from Buffalo since Grover Cleveland in the 1880s. So this is this is a big deal, you know. It really is that New York City has and downstate has controlled the governor's office as it does so many things. 
for all those years. Now, Kathy Hochul uh, recognizes that. She, I spent, I, I like to tell this story, I spent a day with her in Brooklyn in uh, 2018 when she was running in a statewide primary against Jumani Williams. So I, I was pretty much convinced that this upstater would have a very difficult time against a, a New York City office holder at the time, a Brooklyn councilman. And she won that primary convincingly. And she also won three of the five boroughs of New York City. She also won a primary in 2014 against Tim Wu, uh, who was uh, uh, running against her in a, in a primary also. So that's the point that is interesting about her, is that you think that she isn't going to really have a chance because she is from upstate, but she has done pretty well in two statewide Democratic primaries. And so she has learned to uh, make herself known in New York City. She's there constantly. And uh, I forgot the number of times that she said that she'd been in Brooklyn for that story that I did three years ago. But she certainly has increased those numbers in Brooklyn and the other boroughs since then. She's no stranger to the Democratic hierarchy and no stranger to government. Granted, she still has to make herself known to average voters in the city. And one of the things I was thinking about that might be a way for her to sort of uh, allay anybody's concerns that this might be a very uh, upstate or Western New York focused administration. I don't know that those uh, that any of those fears are are particularly well grounded. But of course, now we're going to have to look at Kathy Hochul choosing her own lieutenant governor. And there's certainly a bunch of people on that list uh, who are from uh, downstate, from the city. I mean, we're hearing about, you know, uh, Assembly member Ron Kim or state senators, uh, you know, Alessandra Biaggi, uh, even Bronxboro President Ruben Diaz Jr. Uh, do you have any uh, sense of who she might pick? You want to read the tea leaves a little bit on that or uh, any uh, idea on how she's leaning there? Yeah, she hasn't confided in me on that or too many other people, I don't think. But I do think that we'll, uh, we could look for a pretty quick choice on that. I am quite sure, Celeste, that she will look to downstate um, to balance the ticket in some way. She made a point of uh, emphasizing her desire for diversity on the ticket. So who knows what that means, whether it could be a man, it could be a person of color. Um, I would think that she will stay in government. You know, we've seen people like George Pataki who was fond of going outside of, of government when he picked lieutenant governors. Uh, but I, I do think that she will want someone who will know his or her way around Albany, will know his or her way around the Democratic Party, will know a little bit about the things that she's going to have to worry about, about budgeting and about various departments and various programs um, and the things that she's going to make for her priority. I don't think she's going to forget upstate New York when she when she becomes uh, our new governor, mm-hmm. but she's certainly going to want somebody that can help her 
with all of the challenges that New York City uh, uh, offers. And it will also be interesting to see what kind of relationship she cultivates with the mayor. You know, sometimes the, the governor and the mayor always have some, you know, traditionally there and historically there have been differences and challenges in that relationship. Man, I bet you she's going to work very hard with the outgoing and the ingoing incoming uh, uh, mayor of New York to have a good relationship. It's to her advantage. And I think that's going to be something for us to watch. And Bob, as we get ready to wrap up, would love to know from you where our listeners could go to learn more about you, to find some of your stories. You know, uh, where should they go? Oh, okay. Well, the Buffalo News has a terrific website. You won't find much from me this week because I've been very much enjoying vacation and haven't haven't been. You won't see too much from me except for Sunday's column, I guess, I wrote about. And that was about uh, uh, the fact that Erie County Democrats have been frozen out of, of state politics under Andrew Cuomo for many years. And they look, they're looking to get back in as upstate's biggest Democratic enclave. But I do write a column on Sundays. and It's about state mostly in... I think we might have lost Bob there. Okay, uh, that was Bob McCarthy, political reporter columnist with the Buffalo News. Uh, thank you, Bob, if you could still hear us for joining us today here on WBAI. You've been listening to Driving Forces on WBAI with Celeste Katz Marston and myself, Jeff Simmons. Uh, we are talking about incoming Governor Kathy Hochul, who takes over Tuesday with the departure of Andrew Cuomo after a sexual harassment scandal that toppled him. Even as he was dealing with criticism over his handling of the COVID pandemic, his book deal, and more. Just a very, very quick reminder. We are only able to keep bringing you these important conversations about the latest politics and public policy with the help of you, our listeners. So please, take a moment today. Do what Celeste and I do. We are WBAI supporters. Go to WBAI.org. And if you can, give as generously as you can. You can make a one-time donation. Even better, you can become a BAI buddy and make a recurring donation to help keep free speech radio alive and well in New York. That's WBAI.org. And it's great to have so many experts here on the program to help us find out more about our next governor, Kathy Hochul. You know, who is she? What's her background? What kind of, uh, what kind of government is she going to run? What kind of, uh, uh, what kind of changes can we expect to see? So our next guest is somebody I'm really happy to have on the program, somebody who knows a lot about Kathy Hochul, about Andrew Cuomo, and a lot really about everything having to do with New York politics and political history. Uh, somebody that I've known for, if very long time. I'm going to guess 1996, possibly 96, 97 and around there. Uh, the first time we met and I've been an admirer of her political reporting ever since then. And uh, that, of course, is Liz Benjamin. She's now with Marathon Strategies. But you are sure, surely familiar with her reporting over more than two decades covering New York State and city government and politics. So while she was at the Albany Times Union, she was... <laughs> Oh, hi, dear. You're so old. 
Uh, this is very, very true. Well, okay. Hello, Radio Land. Uh, breaking news, we're old. Um, so Liz is was at the Albany Times Union. She was the paper's lead political reporter, and she was also the founder of Capital Confidential, the Capitol's first blog, Must Read. Then she spent four years at the New York Daily News, where I was as well at the time as a political blogger and columnist. After that, of course, she became the host of Capital Tonight on Spectrum News and was also the editor of the show's companion blog, State of Politics, uh, one of the hardest working people in news and one of the earliest risers I have ever met in my entire life. Liz <laughs> Benjamin, great to have you with us here on BAI. The subtext of reading through this is Liz Benjamin is very anxious and type A. <laughs> That's basically what you just said. No, I, I, sa- I said I thought you were awesome. <laughs> okay, so like, no, you, did. you know, it's so but great we can to be with you guys. It's it's wonderful to have you. And seriously, I'm honestly very, very excited because, I mean, there are a few people who have the sort of encyclopedic knowledge, but also like the analytical capacity to look at all of these moving parts and figure out like what what should we make of this? What is going on? So that's that's my first super broad question to you is is, as somebody who really has seen it all. Like, what do you make of what happened to Andrew Cuomo here that he just completely and spectacularly imploded? People were talking about governor for president, you know, excuse me, Cuomo for president at some point. And now they're talking about, is this dude really getting a pension? Yeah. And where the heck is he going to live? Because he doesn't have a place to live. And oh, my goodness, his ex-girlfriend might be engaged. I mean, it's just it is a lot. And I think, on a, you know, we might joke and, and I, I think of it a little bit as like gallows humor because we have seen so much and been through so much politically in New York. This state is tired. It has been a roller coaster. I feel like we have not gotten a rest since Elliot Spitzer and his prostitution scandal. And that was, you know, he was elected in 06, right? So, you know, it was 08-ish, I guess that was. And ever since then, we've really been on this sort of roller coaster ride and we saw a lot of high profile individuals remember sheldon silver was the speaker and uh joe bruno who's now no longer with us was the majority leader and they were just a force to be reckoned with they both went down to corruption charges dean skelos the next majority leader went down to corruption charges so and then subsequently david patterson who took over for elliot Spitzer, you know didn't really work out so well And Andrew Cuomo was the guy who sort of saved us all briefly in the beginning, right? He made the trades run on time. He ended late budgets. He had a host of policy wins, um, gay marriage, which was accomplished with a Republican Senate majority. He also got a property tax cap, which was something that was really significant early on. And then later there was like $15 minimum wage. There there was all sorts of stuff. There was... uh, women's rights and and gun control and all things that were really significant and progressive. And yet, you know, in the wings, sort of in the background, what people knew was he wasn't a terribly nice guy. He was very difficult to work with. He had a reputation as a bully. He had a reputation for twisting arms to get what he wanted. His chief of staff, first chief of staff, which in New York is the secretary to the governor, Steve Cohen infamously said that the administration had two speeds, get along and kill. He said that during a conversation, I believe, with the governor of Connecticut, and there was a reporter in the room who caught the who caught the comment. That was true. And so, you know, he flew very close to the sun. And people who do that, you know, end up getting burned a lot of the times. The spectacular and rapid nature of the burning and the falling was really 
a mind blower. But then again, we lived through Anthony Weiner. I mean, you know, we lived through a lot in this state. You know, Liz, I'm glad you mentioned that because as you were rattling off the names before, I thought, are you going to mention Anthony Weiner? Because that was, you know, another. No, I did, yeah. (laughs) So I just want our listeners to know that when I used to work in government and Liz Benjamin would call, I would get scared because she always would find out things that were happening in our office before I knew. So, (laughs) Liz, what do you think of Kathy Hochul and what, if anything, will change in the life of the state capitol and of regular New Yorkers when she takes over? So in terms of regular New Yorkers, I'm not sure that they're going to see much of a difference because let's be clear, regular New Yorkers are not that dramatically impacted by state or federal government in a day-to-day way. Although the caveat is COVID, of course, has really changed that. But generally, the kind of government that impacts you in a day-to-day way is your local government, right? They set the policies for your local taxes and if your trash gets picked up and whether you have to pay for it and how much you pay for your water bill and, and that kind of thing. Of course, in New York, we have, and not to get too far down the policy rabbit hole, but a lot of unfunded mandates that come down from on high onto local government that causes them the requirement to raise your taxes because they have to do various different enactments of policy that the state in its wisdom, you know, passes and then makes into law. But really, I don't think in the first couple of weeks or even months, people will notice that much of a difference in their day-to-day lives. In terms of the way Albany will work, I mean, look, Kathy Hochul is a relative unknown to your average person on the street. Now, your average person on the street knows who Andrew Cuomo is because of those internationally acclaimed Emmy-winning performances that he gave during, you know, the height of COVID when everybody was in love with him and the Cuomosexuals were buying t-shirts and whatnot, and he was having his staff write his book and all the rest of it. But most people probably would not know Kathy Hochul if they tripped over her unless they live in the Buffalo area where she is very well known. She does get around. She has been known to go from opposite ends of the state for various different events and ribbon cuttings in the same day. She has an insane work ethic. She seems to never tire, but she's also very careful and she hews to the script largely Um, But the immediate change will be that Albany will ostensibly be a nicer place to work if you are working in the state capitol, which is saying quite a bit. uh, But who will be working at the state capitol is a different story entirely. And that's a a good point. Um, yeah. And that, that's a good point. I, I do want to get to that if you have any ideas about who's going to uh, who's going to be uh, out of business or out of luck here and who's going to stick around. Um, you know, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that. But I just want to stick on Hochul herself for one more second. You wrote an op ed piece for The Times, which which I thought was very interesting. And, you know, one of the lines jumped out at me. Uh, you said, quote, her folksy mannerisms and kill them with kindness approach belie a steely and savvy operator you know tell tell us why you see her that way because she does come across as i'm not going to say nicey nice i didn't think she was like super saccharine i've I've, you know interviewed her before i've moderated events where she appeared but you know andrew cuomo has uh you know all the all the subtlety of a sledgehammer kathy hochul comes across a little bit differently but you know you're saying that there's really something behind the sort of the nice smile and the friendly manner what what's going on oh yeah So the example that I think most people point to or the one that I like to point to is that, you know, she was uh, Bob Duffy was Andrew Cuomo's original lieutenant governor pick. Right. And as you remember, um, the 
slate in New York is not actually set until after the primary. So Mario Cuomo infamously ran against Koch, and he ran with a candidate, and Koch ran with another candidate. Koch's candidate was not Mario's pick. But because Koch's candidate beat Mario's candidate in the LG primary, Mario Cuomo ended up with a guy he didn't want as his number two. And then he froze him out, and the guy basically stepped down. So the point of the matter is that Andrew Cuomo, when he was running for re-election and was challenged by Cynthia Nixon from the left, and the left was rising in political power, he was concerned because Kathy Hochul was being challenged by Jumani Williams, who, of course, your listeners know is now the New York City public advocate and sort of a progressive poster boy, a champion on the left. He, at the time, was a Brooklyn city councilman with aspirations. And there was a concern, I think, among the Cuomoites that, A, the governor needed to shore up his support on the left when he was being challenged by Cynthia Nixon and the Wharton Family Party was not supporting him, was supporting her. And there was this danger that if Jumani Williams beat Kathy Hochul, then Andrew Cuomo would have Jumani Williams as, a, as an LG, which was not right. something he wanted. So he not so terribly subtly suggested that Kathy Hochul would be a great candidate for Congress that he really thought that she would be wonderful and she should run for her old congressional seat. And she publicly said, no, thank you. I'll stay and run for lieutenant governor. I'm running for lieutenant governor. I'm your running mate. I can't wait to run with you. This was like this was like political jujitsu because there was no way he could publicly dump her. You wouldn't dump a woman when you were cha- facing another woman in a primary and you wouldn't alienate your upstate Base, right. He needed to carry upstate, even though most of the primary vote is in the Democratic center of the five boroughs. But he just couldn't publicly oust her. It would just not go over well, especially not that year when he was really playing the woman card hard in terms of trying to get women's votes. So she basically outfoxed him and pretty much said, if you want me to go, I mean, she didn't say it out loud, but you're going to have to push me off the ledge. And he couldn't do it. So he got stuck with her. So she outfoxed him, and no one outfoxed Andrew Cuomo. The man played political chess with like 20 moves ahead until, you know, until he fell apart. But he was known as a very smooth political operator, and she outfoxed him. And, you know, that is not, that's not something I take lightly. So, Liz, uh, you know, what I'm really interested in are, are the people around Cuomo who have not resigned yet, have not left, who are still part of that administration. What are you hearing, you know, about the apparatus that Cuomo built, uh, particularly around his advisors and who might be shown the door? Hmm. Well, this is like now you guys have both lived through transitions, covered them, seen them. This is sort of like the Albany parlor game. Every day I am getting like 200 texts. People are saying this person's in and this person's out and this person's in and that person's out. And I'm hearing this. And what are you hearing? So right now it's very much in flux. What I can say for certain is that the nature of the lieutenant governor's office is such that you don't have a very big staff. So Kathy Hochul doesn't have a big pool of people to move from her you know, number two office up to number one. And when you move and you have to tackle all of these many problems and challenges that the state faces, oh, and run for election, because she's already said she's going to do that in 22, she intends to run to try and keep the job, you've got to really be firing on all cylinders and you need people you can trust. And she just doesn't have that big of a team. So I believe she said, it's gonna, or her chief of staff, Jeff Lewis, said 
that they're going to be meeting one-on-one with everybody on the second floor and basically giving people an opportunity to sort of bow out gracefully. She's going to keep all of the commissioners in place for at least 45 days, which is getting a little blowback in particular when it comes to the health commissioner, Howard Zucker, because there are a lot of people who are very unhappy with him and blaming him for the nursing home debacle that I think you referenced, Jeff, when we were talking about, you know, the many issues that the governor was facing aside from the sexual harassment issue that toppled him in the end as a result of Tish James's report. Remember, there were two reports from Tish James. The first one was about the nursing home COVID issue. That was the first one. And then subsequently, we had the sexual harassment one. So, you know, uh, there's a lot of questions about, like, the budget director, Robert Mejica. And remember also, Andrew Cuomo had a lot of Republicans around him on the second floor. Mm -hmm. Bob Mejica, for example, came from the Senate Republican Conference. Um, So uh, Kelly Cummings, another one, a Republican, on the second floor. These are not household names, right? I mean, we're talking about, like, Pawns on the chessboard, basically. This is a, this is again a very insider kind of an inside baseball conversation. But everybody in Albany is trying to figure it out, and not only because it's like you know interesting and that's what we do is we trade in information. But like, who the hell do you call if you need to get a bill signed? Like, nobody knows who's in charge right now. We're in this like limbo period, and there are bills that are still pending that have to be delivered to the governor's office. Um, there are still issues that need to be addressed. I mean. The outgoing governor, um, you know, issued pardons and clemencies, which was an interesting decision on his way yeah, out the that, door. I very did. Trump-like. I did notice that. That was that was very interesting. So we only have about 30 seconds left. And uh, look, I know this is real crystal ball tea leave stuff, but, you know, I have to ask in, in the last couple of seconds, what do you think happens to Andrew Cuomo? What does he do? Where does he go? Well, because he's not going to be impeached, he can run for election and try and resurrect himself. And he's got a pretty sizable campaign chest. Um, I don't know. I mean, he has to find a place to live. That's probably, you know, first on his to-do list. I guess he can move in with Chris in the Hamptons, but um, I don't know. I don't know what he's going to (laughs) do. Liz Benjamin, where can people find out more about you and your work? (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, I'm working with Marathon Strategies, as you noted. I'm on Twitter, where I sometimes opine on all things political and, uh, you know, I'm out there in the in the social media sphere. So look for me and, you know, let's have a debate. I love debating politics and trying to figure out what's going on for the next 24 hours. I've heard that about you since approximately 1996. <laughs> but Liz Benjamin, a pleasure to have you here on Driving Forces here on WBAI. Let's do it again sometime soon. Thanks, you guys. Miss you both. Be well. So you've been listening to WBAI New York. This is Driving Forces. I'm Jeff Simmons here with my wonderful co-host, Celeste Katz-Marston, who seems to know every journalist in New York State, which is what makes the show so fantastic, Celeste. Why, thank you. I appreciate that, Jeff, I- including you. And that's how we met. That's how you and I met. Were, were you with, I think you were already with New York One by the time I met you. Is that right? Yes. And then, uh, and then, of course, you followed us on the campaign trail when I was with Spitzer and Patterson. And you got that wonderful interview with David Patterson on the bus back to his uh, school. Yeah, that is true. Ah, such, such were the joys. But it's been, yeah, some of the stuff has uh, been a, a walk down memory lane. And that will be true of our, our next guest 
too, uh, because, uh, of course, if you're just joining us, by the way, this is Driving Forces. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston here with Jeff Simmons. We're talking about the future of New York under our incoming new governor, Kathy Hochul, who takes over as our chief executive on Tuesday. Uh, and for now, she'll just be finishing the uncompleted term of the outgoing governor, Andrew Cuomo, uh, who effectively imploded in a, a sort of multifaceted scandal, but mainly because of the immediate issue of allegations of sexual harassment and misconduct uh, against him by women who worked with him, uh, for him, around him. But if Kathy Hochul wants to keep this job for a longer term, she's going to have to run for her own full term as governor uh, in 2022. She says she is going to do that. But of course, she's certainly not the only person who wants that job. And some of the names we've heard thrown around, some of them by the candidates themselves, perhaps, Uh, some of them by their supporters, uh, pundits, uh, you know, prognosticators, uh, Attorney General Letitia James, uh, certainly among their state senators, uh, Alessandra Biaggi, Jessica Ramos, uh, New York City public advocate Jumani Williams, who, uh, as Liz mentioned previously, had also run for lieutenant governor, uh, Congressman Tom Suozzi from Long Island, also from the island, uh, Suffolk County Executive Steve Ballone, possibly even Mayor Bill de Blasio, uh, who's going to be uh, term limited out here, and uh, there's a, a real fight going on for his job, too. So joining us now to talk about who else might be throwing a hat in the ring for governor, among other things, is uh, another of my favorite reporters. That's Dan Janison, a longtime New York reporter and columnist. He's covered the state, the city, Long Island, national issues, and currently his pieces appear on the opinion page of Newsday, where he is a member of the editorial staff. So Dan Janison, thank you for your leadership in joining us here today on Drive well, Forces. Uh, yeah, no, it's a pleasure. It is. Um, um, uh, I hope uh, I hope we can uh, we can look forward to um, to uh, good things in New York State. Well, I don't know. I mean, do, do you think we can? Or Kathy Hochul's already out know. there saying she's going to run for her own full term in 2022. We've heard that from other people uh, after uh, they took office following she's, a big she's, scandal. Uh, she's she's doing the Hamptons this weekend, and uh, and and she'll be raising money. Uh, former former uh, um, New York State uh, Democratic Director uh, or, or Chairman uh, Judith Hope is, is 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 on the scene in East Hampton. And she's going to drop by her her Eleanor Roosevelt legacy shindig, um, and uh, and and she's also supposed to have a fundraiser of her, of her own in a private location. So um, she's jumping right in. It's interesting that uh, that she'll have a lieutenant governor to choose. Um, don't ask me, you know, the use of that other than politically. And um, uh, so, you know, she's trying to give the impression, at least, of hitting the ground running. So uh, do you think that I mean, look, this this is not necessarily the, the easiest thing that anybody ever tried to do. I mean, we are she's coming in after this massive scandal blew up a, a governor that uh, looked like he was not making everybody happy. But certainly he had he had yep. impressed some people, at least with his early handling of the, the covid pandemic and, and so on. But uh you know, we were talking a little earlier in the program, like a lot of people just don't know who Kathy Hochul is. I mean, do you get a sense of, of uh, you know, are people taking a wait and see approach? Are they going to give her the benefit of the doubt? Do they, you know, do they have concerns about her? Like, are you getting a, a read on how people think this is going to well, go? It depends who you think has concerns about her. I think, um, I think there's a, 
There's a, you know, there, there's always the internal challenge for the Democrats of 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 how left they will go, and um, and and uh, and from which region uh, their candidates will come. She's an upstater in the Democratic Party. Obviously, that gives her uh, something of a disadvantage. She's going to have a, uh, a lieutenant governor, obviously from from the five boroughs, or so she says. And um, and uh, that's going to, you know, be sort of a reverse ticket balance. Uh, uh, they're going to, um, you know, they're going to try and sell it as uh, as as um, insurance against a, a Republican revolt to have someone who is quote unquote moderate. Although I hate the term, I don't know what moderate and radical mean anymore. Um, until you get into the specific issues. Uh, so there's, you know, there's a, there's a, there's actually an ideological struggle as there always is inside the democratic primary before you get to the general election. That's about all I can tell you. Um, and, and, and you, you know, who, you know, who is on which side. I'm pretty sure Jermani Williams will run. Um, uh, he's got nothing to lose. He almost beat the last time, you know, um, but, um, who else um, does uh, does does Swazi see a lane for himself? Depends on a lot of things. You know, and Dan, it's it's great to have you on the show. I hear it hey. also that one of your county executives and a former Daily News person, Laura Curran, that her name was also bandied about in the beginning. Is that is that is there any truth to that? That she might be someone I, I considering it. I don't, I don't see it happening, but you know, I'm not I'm 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 not the one to say she's. Um, you know she's uh, running for re-election right now. Uh, so if she were to make a quick switch and go on to a state ticket, um, it would have to happen after November, maybe after Jan- you know after January first. I don't see it, but I don't know what's in her mind. So, you know, right now we're looking at, well, we're looking at a couple of things. I mean, obviously we're looking at how, uh, you know, how Kathy Hochul is going to run this state. I don't know if you see her. She was just, uh, she was just in the city, right? Just, uh, made a visit. I think that was sort of deliberate, wanted to, you know, right. uh, have boots on the ground there and, and mm-hmm. so on. And, you know, one of the things we were talking about with, uh, Bob McCarthy earlier from the Buffalo News is, you know, we just haven't had a governor from outside, uh, sort of, the, the city island downstate area for a really long time. I mean, are, are people concerned that we're going to see a shift in the priorities of the state or, or all of a sudden is, is the city just not going to be as important? Is she good? Is she going to feel some sort of, uh, you know, obligation? Uh, because mm. a lot of politicians make swings upstate, uh, you know, famously Hillary Clinton among them and make a lot of promises to upstate New York that never mm. actually get, uh, get carried out. Uh, you know, are people sort of viewing having a governor from Western New York as, as a concern or something? Yeah, it's a unusual. good question. What, what, what I think, really uh, you know, I think, I think what, what, uh, what she's trying to do probably to address that is, you know, she'll, she'll try and, uh, and, and, and uh, form some public bond with Eric Adams, who is most likely to be your next mayor and, uh, and, and see if that can be, you know, if, if that can be swung, that if she can send the signal that um, that that the city will will remain prime, because she knows where the numbers are. 
she knows that, that it's a, it's a city dominated uh, um, uh, party. Um, certainly, she's got to deal with Carl Hasty in, um, in 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 three way meetings with the Assembly and Senate. Uh, certainly, she's going to have to deal with uh, with uh, an attorney general who's from the city. Um, you know, and 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 of course, uh, uh, a lot depends on her relationship with uh, with Schumer, who of course was uh, was uh, never a never never a good friend of of Cuomo. Uh, there was <laughs> there was a chill between them. And uh, in, in that sense, it might improve. I mean, if he's advising her on city issues um, and what to look for, maybe that gives her an advantage. I don't know. Um, but geographically, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's tough to say. Um, I mean, upstate so, was, always, was always the place where the, where, where, where the Republican had an advantage. Um, it would certainly cut that in a general election, but uh, but the primary is key right now. And what's also interesting, Dan, is just watching Mayor de Blasio's behavior this week and, you know, mm. in following some of the posts that I've seen, I think that he was singing at an event with his wife. Uh, he seems Wonderful. to be in very good spirits. So what has good. been your assessment about how de Blasio has reacted and handled this? Well, his 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 mood is always uh, is always something that's tracked and irrelevant. Um, I, I I don't know if uh, I, you know it's it's sort of it's sort of like you know it's sort of like you might as well ask me what you know what what the what the Queen's Borough President is thinking at this point. I, I just can't I can't take his uh, I can't take his input or his candidacy seriously. Well, Donovan Richards was one of the people seen with Kathy Hochul, so I yeah. think he's thinking he is happy about sure. the, this move. It was interesting to see, you know, I, I, and Liz Benjamin had talked about this being the parlor game. You know, I mean, right now, anyone that we're seeing Kathy Hochul speak with, we're starting to wonder, could this be our next lieutenant governor? Celeste? Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So, uh, Dan, I know we only have a, a couple of minutes left here, but, you know, obviously we're talking about the primary and that'll be the, the first issue. But looking further out, uh, you know, considering how badly Andrew Cuomo blew up, uh, Kathy Hochul obviously is her own person. We'll have her uh, we'll have her own way of leading things. But she was part of his administration. She was part of uh, of that program, if not of the misconduct, if you know, depending on what she did or didn't know, she says she didn't know about it, but she was part of the Cuomo administration. So given that, given maybe what we're seeing some of now in terms of people being unhappy with uh, Joe Biden, what's going on in Afghanistan, a lot of uh, other issues, what's going to be happening with the pandemic, uh, who knows? I mean, I'm just curious. I know it's early, but do you think that in 2022, there is any serious possibility that a Republican candidate could get some real traction against Kathy Hochul and whoever else? Or whoever else ends up uh, coming into the primary and, and surviving it. You know, people sure, out there, Zeldin, Giuliani, Astorino. I mean, you know, what do you see about the on the Republican side of this thing? It's, it's not like we've never possible. had a Republican governor. Anything is possible. I mean, she she. Uh, <laughs> um, it's hard to imagine it will be a Republican year. Obviously, as you know, uh, 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 George Pataki, the last Republican governor, uh, w- came in as a as pro-choice, pro-environment, 
Um, uh, you know, uh, he did he did big big favors for public service unions. Um, uh, his uh, his 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 policies were borrow and spend rather than tax and spend, and uh, and and he held on to things. You know, lost the city every single time uh, in those elections, but was not the kind of Republican that uh, you know that that voted for uh, for for Trump's election fraud or or aligned himself in any way with uh, with. Uh, with uh, with the with the extremes uh, or, or or with the national party at all, um, it, it would have to be the, whoever's going to win would have to be someone who's you know an organically you know almost an apolitical Republican, someone who actually can convince people that um, they're going to uh, run the state in a very fair way. Um, I'm sure there are such people out there, but I don't know if they would have a grip on the nomination. It is too early to say who they run, um, but it's uh, the state of the party is just uh, you know is just besieged. You know we have we have not a two party system in the state, but more like a one and a half party system. <laughs> And then just in the, the last couple of seconds that we have left here, uh, you know, you've, you've seen lots of people uh, in politics blow themselves up, try to make a, a comeback. Uh, sometimes it works. A lot of times it doesn't work. You know, thinking obviously Elliot Spitzer, mm-hmm. Anthony Weiner, people who just could not, uh, could not stay out of public life, but the public was, you know, perfectly willing to help them stay out of public life. Right. Uh, right, right. So last question here. What what do you think happens to, to Andrew Cuomo? Where where what does he do? Where does he go? I don't think, you know, it, it's it's I am so in the habit of having to pay attention to what he intends and what he's going to do and how he's going to move that it's hard to believe that he will be irrelevant for a while um, uh, unless he chooses to be. I mean, you know, just just the matter of, uh, of, of, of getting his signature onto the resignation letter uh, forms all sorts of, oh, is he going to do it? Is he going to not do it? Is it uh, and, you know, like, like, like um, suspension and speculation is going to be, is, is going to continue. You know, never, never simplify things for the masses, you know, you have to, you have to create, uh, you know, you have to create the maximum story about yourself, and you know, I, I think that's that's inborn for him. I don't think he, uh, I don't think he could say, "Up, oh, gave him my best shot. I screwed up. Goodbye." That's not going to happen. So, Dan, as we wrap up, where can our listeners go to learn more about you and follow your insightful reporting? Go to the uh, Newsday.com website. Um, uh, it's nice and cheap if you can if you, if you can uh, if you can subscribe. Um, you know, there's a lot of great stuff past that uh, past that paywall, and um, you know, I would advise it. Dan Janison of Newsday, always a pleasure to hear your voice. Thank you for joining us today here on <laughs> Driving you. Forces. Have fun. <laughs> Thank you. You too. I'm sure uh, lots of political reporters all over New York State will be having a lot of fun. But, Jeff, you have uh, something to tell us about what's coming up here on WBAI on Sunday. Yep. This Sunday at 10 a.m., tune in for City Watch on WBAI. My co-host, David Brand, will be on, and he'll be discussing what's ahead 
in Albany post Cuomo with politics reporter Josefa Velazquez from the city. And he'll also talk about school reopening plans, if you can believe it, the summer's almost over. And he'll take listener calls as the new school year approaches. Celeste? Right. And just one more reminder, as you are getting ready for more great programs here on BAI, your contribution to the station is tax deductible. Please go to WBAI.org today to give. That's WBAI.org. Org. Please support Free Speech Radio. I want to thank our guests, Bob McCarthy, Liz Benjamin, and Dan Janison. Special thanks, as always, to our engineer, Reggie, and a special thanks to you, our listeners. If you missed any part of today's program, you can check it out in the archives at WBAI.org, and you can subscribe to Driving Forces via Apple, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Now stay tuned to WBAI for more great programming. See you on the radio. 